Welcome to the Cybertraps Podcast. I am Jethro Jones coming to you from Washington, host of the podcast Transformative Principle and author of the book School X, How to Redesign Your School for the People Right in Front of You. I am a former principal at all levels of K-12 education. Greetings, everyone. I'm Frederick Lane, an author, attorney, and educational consultant, temporarily based in East Hampton, New York. I'm the author of 10 books, including most recently, Cybertraps for Educators 2.0, Raising Cyberethical Kids, and Cybertraps for Expecting Moms and Dads. Jethro and I have teamed up to bring timely, entertaining, and useful information to teachers, parents, and others about the risks arising from the use and misuse of digital devices. Over the coming weeks and months, we'll be talking to some of the world's leading experts from the fields of education, parenting, sociology, and cyber safety. Join us as we look at what it takes to better navigate our increasingly high-tech world. For more information or to donate to our work, please visit centerforcyberethics.org. The Center, <laughs> the Center for Cyberethics is the producer of the Cybertraps podcast, although it's really just the two of us hitting chat. <laughs> In any case, the Center for Cyberethics is an independent, nonpartisan educational institute dedicated to the study and promotion of cyberethics as a positive social force through research, curricula development, publishing and media, professional training, and public advocacy. Well, this episode and the next few episodes of the podcast are going to be about our time in at the PPI conference in Boise, Idaho. So as we are chatting here, I hope you enjoy it and enjoy the uh, people that we were able to talk with. This was the Professional Practices Institute put on by the National Association of State Directors of Teacher and Educator Certification. And this is a similar um, conference that Fred and I went to last year in Oklahoma City as well. So hope you enjoy this and the following episodes that are going to be like it. Since we were recording in a public place, there are some times where the background noise gets a little much, but hopefully we've done enough to take care of that and it's not too annoying. And uh, thanks for your patience with that. Um, so why don't you start by telling us your names and what your roles are. Ladies I'm, first. Okay. Brighton Sorgan Fry, and I am one of the investigators with the Department of Education for the state of Nebraska. So we do certification investigations, so an investigation on anybody that holds a certificate through the state of Nebraska Department of Education, administrator, teacher, coach, superintendent, principal, anybody that holds a certificate through the Department of Education. Okay. My name is Justin Darling. Um, I am the other investigator for the state of Nebraska, so we are it. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, one, <laughs> yeah. one state, two people. Yeah. The Nebraskans Cover must the just... the entire state. You got, Nebraskans just must be really good. No. N never have problems. <laughs> <laughs> that well, was This will play well in Nebraska. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> there's a reason why there's two of us. You know, that's... Yeah. But yeah. we stay busy. Yeah. Yeah. So the, you're doing the actual investigation, which means that you then turn over your results to someone else to, to further 
prosecute the situations or adjudicate on the situations, right? That's it's correct. It's on the administrative side, very mm -hmm. similar to criminal, but the rules of evidence are a little different. Um, we, we subpoena school districts to get their reports, their investigations. We also subpoena law enforcement if they're involved. There are disqualifying uh, convictions, you know, sex assault on a child, stuff like that. So those are a little easier because once you have it, you're kind of, there's no way you can argue it. Mm. Like once somebody's convicted of Correct. that crime, then you, it just is automatically done, right? Yep. Yeah, so we basically, um, we receive a complaint <clears throat> and our complaints, there's a form, it has to be notarized, has to be against an individual person, can't be against a school district, has to be against a person, cannot be anonymous. Um, so we receive a complaint that complaint then gets we assign it to ourselves and then go from there like mm -hmm. we said send the subpoenas um, to anybody we could send a subpoena to a counselor mm -hmm. anybody that we would need and then we do all the interviews of all the witnesses or victims um, and we generate a report interview the suspect or the educator um, and we make a recommendation of what we think should happen such as like a revocation, suspension, um, admonishment, dismissal, reprimand. Mm -hmm. um, and then that goes to the commissioner of education and he either agrees or disagrees. And then it would go, if it goes to a hearing to the professional practice, they make a recommendation, then it goes to the state board and they have the ultimate say. Wow, quite a process. Yeah. And we'll give comparability cases as well that have already been adjudicated. So if you have a teacher that's drunk at work you know, two to three years, whatever the previous cases were, we'll put two or three comparative cases to say this is what they got in the past. So we actually provide that report mm. to the respondent or the educator, superintendent, whoever, um, so they can actually see that as well to know kind of what they're looking at. Mm -hmm. Now that's really useful. So in terms of your investigation, one of the things that I'm really paying more attention to now is the idea of administrative subpoenas. And obviously you're talking about subpoenaing school records mm -hmm. and so forth. Have you been able to do that with the social media companies? Do they respond to you or or do you need law enforcement to get involved? We get it through law enforcement. Ah, okay. Yeah. Because I, I also work on computer forensics, I may have mentioned, and I see so many of these subpoenas, these administrative subpoenas, going out, for instance, from ICAC and yes. then collecting gobs of material. I've got one case now that's 20 gigabytes of data wow. that Facebook just dumps. So social media, Facebook, Snapchat, they usually won't honor our subpoenas. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, tell it to the criminal defense attorneys who get no loving whatsoever. Yeah. You know, they basically have to get it through law enforcement. Yeah. So what I do if I can't get it, let's say it's not criminal, um, I try to get the parents of the victim to um, either go through Verizon or whoever to gather stuff that way as well. Obviously it's not social media, but they might be able to recover the text messages or the phone call logs. I ask the parents to, to do that. The pen register, sure. The numbers that yes. have been called, how long, that kind of Correct. thing. Yeah. Um, but you know what, we've really done a nice job. I know it's not related to subpoena and social media, but we've done a pretty good job educating our educators. When you're doing these investigations, get that student's phone and start snapping photos of all these chats on Facebook or the screenshots or whatever. And, and so that helps us too. So when all of a sudden the educator deletes them, we're like, mm, 
Interesting. Yeah. We also do that with Facebook. We'll get on Facebook and take screenshots of everything from their profile because once they receive the complaint, it's going to that is all going to go away. They are going to go in either deactivate their account, right, or something similar, or just remove posts. Facebook's going to right. Facebook is going to do that. No, the educator goes in. And actually, I just got done writing about this, and it's because educators think that they can delete their way to safety. And the reality is that even with online content, they can't because Facebook will hold on to deleted material for up to six months. Mm -hmm. So law enforcement is often very successful in going in, scooping up things that, oh my God, I deleted that. And in fact, you have. Yeah, so we have a grace period when a complaint comes to us. We have to process the complaint and it's 14 days. We have to mail it to them. So we quickly, within those 14 days, on the backside, we're on our fake social media account, looking on their profile to see what's public, taking screenshots, um, you know, are they friends with that said student on the, their account? Or other students. Or, or whatever, right. and capturing all of it. Like I had one example, it was a female educate teacher in a relationship with a junior in high school. And her Instagram and and the students, I went on to both of theirs and took screenshots of the photos they were posting together of each other. They were dating. Wow. He was the age of consent, so they had already consulted with the parents and knew that it wasn't a crime. So they continued. Well, when her attorney responded to the complaint, they said, "You, she has not made any of those posts on Instagram. There is no such thing that exists. So then when I interviewed her, I I said, all right. When I interviewed her, I shared my screen and said, is this your Instagram? I I had a picture of her Instagram account. Yes. Scroll down. Is this you? Yeah. I mean, so then I just showed her all of them. And I had gone in and contacted any of her friends that commented, like, such a cute couple. Aw, so nice. Went into those accounts and messaged them and interviewed them. Why are you commenting? Why are you saying cute couple? Are they dating? Yeah. Wow. And it's awesome when their attorney gets involved and they don't have that information. Yeah. <laughs> and you bring it up and go, well, there's things they haven't because shared. Because the client hasn't necessarily yeah. been as disclosing yeah. as they should be. That, yeah. So uh, let me tell you, as, as a, even as a non-practicing attorney, attorneys hate that. Yeah. It's a really awful yeah. blow to the relationship, shall right. we say. Yeah. So that's how we get around not being able to get stuff from, from social media. How cooperative do you find the friends to be? Does that vary or? Varies. Yeah. Um, most of the time it's it's more so um, the friends, or they don't want to rat out the teacher. Yeah. They're afraid, mm-hmm. so, and, in my opinion. And it seems like people probably know that this is going on or have some suspicion. It's very common. A lot of times, yeah. And, and the thing to remember, especially in, in grooming cases, it's not just the victim that gets groomed. It's the the educators that they work with. It's the administrators. It's the, you know, the, the family of the victim. Yeah. A lot of times you'll hear later on that it wasn't a it wasn't an issue when they heard about it because this is the person that always is the one that steps up to help others. Yeah. This is the one yeah. that's you know heavily involved in their church youth groups. That's uh, you know goes out of their way to help students and. And they're they're spending time, not just grooming the victim. It's it's everybody around them. So it's more plausible when they have yeah. that 
that blurred good bad line yeah. of relationship. Yeah, so. it, that has been the recurring theme <clears throat> with just about everybody we've talked to yeah. Yeah. this time. We were at PPI last year. I don't think that came up at all, but this time it's come up numerous times that, that people who are grooming are grooming multiple people and not just victims, but yeah. other people so that they can be above reproach and be above suspicion. Um, so I want to talk a little bit more about the social media aspect. Um, how, as, as you've been doing this, and you both were in the police force before, right? Correct. Um, how much has the impact of social media contributed to people uh, doing these things that you're Almost investigating? Almost every single case involves. Yeah. And there's your, your uh, Snapchat, WhatsApp, all the, the programs that are meant to eliminate conversations. Um, they've changed the federal regulations, so they do have to hold on to them for so long. You can get them through a law enforcement investigation, but... Almost every case <clears throat> of an inappropriate educator-student relationship involves some form of a digital platform, social media. One that people often dismiss. Can you guess? Pinterest or Instagram? Pinterest. Yeah. Good we job. have a winner here. Yeah, Pinterest. No, good I, job. No, actually, people never think of it. I lecture to people all the time that Pinterest. if your teenage son has a Pinterest account, it's not because he wants to make jam. It's because there's a lot of adult content on Pinterest. I think he but talked about that at the last conference. But they're messaging yeah. each other. There's a chat yes. feature. Yes. yes. Yeah. So my 14-year-old daughter has Pinterest, and she and I, I let her use it, and then she said, somebody sent me a message on Pinterest, and I said, that's not allowed. You don't send messages. You don't receive messages. If you receive them, you need to come tell me because I don't want you to have social media. And it's not about social media in that like Facebook or Instagram it's about you communicating surreptitiously with someone else that you either know or don't know without your parents knowing what's going on and so that's she was like so I can't can't use Pinterest anymore I said if you can't use Pinterest without direct messages then no you cannot use it and you have to stop and she said well I think I can use it without using the direct messages and because we've been able to build up trust I can let that happen. That's not going to prevent her from getting unwanted messages. That's not going to prevent her from, you know, having friends that share stuff with her. But we at least have to have some conversation about that, about what's okay. And then I go and review those, the the messages on her text messages and her iMessages um, periodically to make sure that she's sending and receiving appropriate things. It's really amazing, though, how perpetrators will make use of these platforms. I mean... The direct messaging feature is one thing, but then, you know, for instance, with Twitter, I've run across cases where educators have created a fake account, and then they've befriended or followed one person yeah. who's the student. Yes. And once they do that, then they can DM back and forth, and it, it's much harder for a parent, for instance, to be aware. Well, what they do also is they create a Sinsta account. Have you ever heard of that? I've heard of it, but I don't know. So basically really... it's Instagram. Like I would have bright and sorg and bright Instagram. And if you, if you click down in the right bottom of your Instagram where your face is, you hold it down, you can add <clears> another <throat> account. So a Sinsta account is a sex Sin- Instagram. So we should spell that out. Sinsta. S-I-N-S-T-A. Sinsta. It's a Sinsta account. Yeah. Instagram and it's what you just said it is the student and the educator those are the only two people that have access to the Sinsta account and that is where I had a student that was sharing all of her sexual photos so only he was viewing them but the parents would see her Instagram but they weren't holding down her button in the bottom to switch to her Sinsta account when they would check her account 
they were seeing hers and there was nothing inappropriate. Yeah, really useful thing for parents to pay attention well, to. Well, then the other one is YOLO. YOLO, you only live once. And I hadn't ever heard of that. Um, yeah. And I had an educator who used YOLO, which is off of Snapchat. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's where you say, they, try, they, he was, they were trying to, the educator was having the student guess who was messaging her. I have red yeah. hair. I have a goatee. I go to your school. I think you're hot. You know, whatever he was doing. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then they I go to your school, but I actually worked She guessed it was her teacher. So, Yikes. Um, anyways, I had never heard of YOLO until that account. So, what do you guys do as investigators to keep up with all of the changing apps and the usages? Come to these. <laughs> uh, that, well, that that's is, one of the high that points. That is one thing I wish yeah. they would have done this year. Um, when I went to San Antonio, there was a big segment on social media, and I missed that this year. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think we'll There was to, a former law enforcement that went over right. all of that. Yeah, well, we'll have to propose something like that for NASDAQ or PPI next year. Just mm -hmm. a good, solid menu. What are kids using yeah. now yeah. For, Insta for social media? Fantastic. Yeah. Well, I'll put that pitch in. Yeah. But, I mean, I do try to keep up with what kids are using, what um, what are the acronyms, what do those stand for. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, yeah, yeah. No, that's you constantly have to study those. Yeah, and you just got to be aware because, I mean, I didn't know for a long time that, that Pinterest, for example, like we were talking about, had direct messages. Mm -hmm. and, it, and what we're seeing is that every app out there is being social mediaized mm -hmm. and turning into a way to communicate with each other. Yeah. And so there are lots of different ways that you can... Well, Roblox, do. Fortnite. Yeah. Well, these mm -hmm. are the things I was talking about today. I mean, yep. and that sense of community, right, is a necessary part of their business model because mm -hmm. they need engagement that you keep eyeballs on. But the real challenge you run into, of course, is that it gives opportunity for people to do inappropriate relationships. You know, so that's the trade-off that we're always facing. Yeah, yeah. after your, your segment, I wrote right away to our legal counsel and said we need to push out to our school districts that we have to add digital platform includes gaming such <coughs> as Roblox, yeah. Fortnite, World no communication. Warcraft, right? yeah. yeah, and you also can't gift Robux. <laughs> mm -hmm. Absolutely. You've got to spell it out. Yeah, no, and, and just as an aside, happy to look at that language and, and talk to Absolutely. you further about it because yeah. I think it's really important just to make sure that everybody is aware of the myriad ways that this can happen. Yeah, because mm -hmm. our districts did have to roll out, um, and I think we spoke about it, they had to roll out the social media that mm -hmm. they cannot communicate with students via social media or social platform. I don't remember what the wording is. I, the one I see... A lot with districts that have already had issues are policies that will say you cannot communicate via text message or any social media unless another teacher and or a parent are included on the message which that seems responsible I and basically have a t-shirt made with that yes, exactly <laughs> with that principle because it is so critical in even if you are absolutely confident that you would never do anything wrong with a student it is as much to protect you absolutely because as we're talking about a lot of online content can be repurposed and made to look like something it's not absolutely. and that includes text it includes photos videos so just get another pair of adult eyes on what you're doing with a student and it will make a huge difference yeah well Nebraska has the one year post-graduation too yeah um, and that for most of them at the bigger districts, it does include you can't be friends with them on Facebook for the, till one year post graduation or whatever platform. 
um, because I did just get one where a teacher was leaving the, di the district, leaving education. Mm. I really don't think she was intending to do anything, but she wrote an email to all the students, like, I, I love teaching you, here's my personal email, here are my social handles, if you need a reference, if you need this, she got in trouble. Yeah, mm, sure. We disciplined her because mm. they said you violated the school policy. Yeah. Now, do I think she was doing it for grooming? No, because um, she sent it to everybody. She, I just. There was a certain openness, but still, but it's right, right. Over her head. Yeah. I mean, she just did miss the point of why it would not be appropriate mm. to add them all on her social media account. Yeah. So as we begin to wrap this up, let me ask each of you. I mean, you guys have the in-the-field experience. What do you think is the most likely cyber trap for educators that they should think about? I don't know. Well, <laughs> I can tell you that every case that I've worked that involves social media, it probably a lot of them started out as an innocent and it always went wrong huh. so my, advi my <laughs> advice is is truthfully don't do it it's it's what you said that they're they're not it's it's just never going to turn out good yeah when you're friends on a social media <clears throat> when you're communicating when somebody doesn't know um but we're in the age now too where people can't drive a car without looking at their phone mm. i mean it's it's so second nature to communicate via electronics video games whatever it be that a lot of times they may not think about it when they're doing it but then the temptation is there when they start to emotionally connect with the student when yeah, they, and that's whether exactly. they intentionally friended the student for that reason or it's something that develops after the fact just because they were well it turns into like hey i'm out here hunting i just and take a picture of the deer that you just shot or Oh my gosh, I love this song. I thought you'd like it too. And there, and then it just starts to go to shit. Well, <laughs> I know the remainder of that conversation because at some point somebody is going to say, "I saw you looked down today. What's wrong? Mm -hmm. I'm having trouble with my boyfriend, husband, slash wife, slash whatever." Oh, do you yep. want to talk about it? And now it's two in the morning, and you're on your two hundredth text back and forth. And that, as you say, is when things really go yeah. to heck. And so. that, but you look at the occupation of educator. You're supposed to care. Exactly. You're supposed to be. And you know, on that note, Justin, I can't tell you how many of the articles in my research file include the phrase teacher of the year yep. in somebody who's gone <clears> south. And that's where I'm saying it's, I don't always think the intent was there to groom somebody. I really don't. I think they cared. I've had several where I do genuinely think they cared, they wanted to help the child, but it always went to shit. I'm serious. <laughs> but yeah. but then again, we also have the cases that yeah. you've got the Pet instructor Pet that is sending, you know, targeted whatever messages <laughs> to seven different female students at the high school or middle school. Yeah. And you know, then come the pictures and yep. pictures about you know him him drinking or being wearing no clothes. You mm -hmm. know, it's. There is there is a difference, I think, between your... Well, there's a scale. There's a sliding yeah. scale of behavior and intent and origin and all the rest of it. And The one other one that I, I wanted to mention besides Pinterest are Google Docs. Yes. I've had some of those where they share the Google Docs, and I had a teacher and a student <clears throat> that were writing a fictitious story together back and forth. Yep. 
back um, back yeah. channel communication on the Google suite is a huge yeah. unexplored yeah. area. Yep. Yeah. We even had that when I was in narcotics in my previous career. Um, we had a couple cartel members that were communicating back and forth and they had an AOL account. Uh -huh. They both shared the same username and password and one of them would, would get in and start typing an email, save it as a draft. The other guy on the other side of the country could log in and read it. It was never sent. So I, mean, I don't know if, if they will actually maintain a record of that. Well, I can answer that for you from a computer forensics point of view because a couple of the cases I've dealt with recently involved people who uploaded child pornography to their draft folder, email folder, they sent themselves... It still caches it, doesn't it? It still, it, it hashes it. Or whatever yeah, that's called. Yeah, hashes it when it's stored. And because it's still on the <coughs> Google servers, it doesn't go anywhere. And from the user's perspective, they think they're being super clever. Okay. Because they think, oh, this is not leaving my computer. But they don't understand the architecture to realize that in order for it to be in the drafts folder, it has to have gone to the Google servers. Okay. So now Google's, it's like, hey, this is our, our property. We can play around with this. As a matter of fact, I was just going to ask you about yeah. that yeah. because, well, and you may remember as, as someone who's been involved in this space, David Petraeus, mm -hmm. who was having an affair with a woman and they were using this draft email communication in an attempt okay. to avoid disclosure of the fact that he had shared national secrets with her as an attachment to a draft email. Wow. And that he got busted out of the military for yeah. that. Yeah. So, so on that note, though, it, would those texts, the, just the text part of those drafts be saved yes. as, as a version? Yeah, absolutely. And so you'd have multiple versions of <laughs> yeah, that yes, draft email? Yeah. If, it, if it's saved as a draft, right? Right. Yeah. Exactly. But if they were both live yeah. typing in and not saving it as a draft... No, but it auto-saves. It auto-saves. It does, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. The other one is uh, Zoom, too. I had an educator <coughs> and a student that were using their school accounts, Zoom accounts, and then using the chat attached oh, to sure. the live video. Sure. Because then those go away. If you don't check, record, I mean, they don't go away, but to them, they went away, and they weren't recording the Zoom that they were working on their algebra. Mm -hmm. Remember I had that? That was mm -hmm. crazy. Well, and... and Boy, we could go on for a while because this is all fascinating. <laughs> I love talking to people on the front lines about this stuff. But one of the ongoing issues that Jethro and I have talked about is the search and seizure. And a lot of the technology that we're talking about, you know, particularly the more advanced stuff like the metaverse we discussed, is going to fall into this gray area between phone calls, which are heavily protected in terms of search warrants, and text messages, which are not. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so what, what, you know, is voice over IP, for instance, in World of Warcraft, a phone call, or is that some kind of other communication that can be handled, you know, less seriously? Well, what do you call when people use, like, the voice talk, messaging on? Talk to text. No, the vo where you can just have to send a voice on, like, mm -hmm. uh, Facebook Messenger. Is that, well, a, is which, that a that's voice, that a voice to text, so it comes through as a text. But you can send but also no, you just, can just audio. Send oh, audio. Oh, oh, right. So that's a re that's a very interesting point. That is going to probably be more under the Stored Communication Act than a phone call. Even because, on iText too. On the right. Same? Exactly. Because it's a displacing displacing time. It's asynchronous. So the point of the phone call is there's the. Um, in, inherent privacy of a real-time conversation. Yes. So if I call you, Brighton, in order for Justin to get a search warrant for our call, he's got to jump a couple of really big hoops. But if I send you a voice to, you know, memo or, or just a voice memo, then that's stored by, let's say, Apple. And putting aside Apple's privacy issues, 
it's going to be treated more as a text message than a phone call because mm -hmm. it's asynchronous. Yeah. And they're storing it on their servers. So then you get into the question, if you don't open it for six months, then Justin can get it with an administrative subpoena. Or I think if I've opened it, you can get it. I mean, there's all of these weird rules with the Electronic Communications Privacy Act of 82 or 83. I mean, one of the yanks, of course, is that we haven't updated that in yeah. 40 years, which is nuts, or 20, my math is off. No, 40 is right. Early 80s 82. to now. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's 2022. <laughs> Welcome. Okay. <laughs> Let's move on because you're going to ask me to do more math and I will just not do well. Anyway, Brighton, Justin, thank you yeah. so much no, for the great you. conversation. Yeah, yeah this Thanks was for great. having us.